0: The following podcast is brought to you on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and is not an official product of Saracens Limited. Content provided voluntarily by our guests and contributors are of their own opinion, which may change over time and should not be taken as fact, particularly as the podcast hosts are regularly talking drivel anyway. If you've got some drivel of your own you'd like to share, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at FezCast SSA. You can search Facebook for the FezCast or you can email FezCast.SSA at Outlook.com. Listening to the Fez Cast.
1: Listening to the Fez Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fez Cast. And it's a big one tonight. We've got lots to discuss. Um, and I'm being joined tonight by uh, Joe and John to talk through everything that's been going on. First things first, though. Hi, Joe, this is your first like proper um, go on the Fez cast that we, you were on at the start of the season, but you've been pretty busy in recent weeks, but keeping abreast of what's going on in the rugby world. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me back on. The women's game has started in season now, so we are ready to rumble.
1: Well, absolutely. We're going to talk about that one in in, in our first part, because uh, you've been down the stone date and see 100 points being scored but not necessarily in a a result that we wanted to see. John, you've joined us even though your throat's rip raw from from (laughs) yesterday at Stonex. Well, we say yesterday, we're recording this Sunday night, obviously, uh, um, the game against Gloucester, which we will discuss in part four of the show. We're going to have a quick chat. So the way it's going to be tonight's show, we've got, First part is going to be um, about the women's game, the Red Roses squad and everything like that. Then we'll have a quick chat about the Worcester and Wasp situation and and financial viability, because we all know an awful lot about financial viability. We're then going to play in our big interview. We got hold of Baz Barrington, uh, a club cult hero, which me and John interviewed um, earlier on in the season. And I apologise. That's the cat in the background. She's enjoy- she's going to get involved in tonight's show. So, uh, and then we'll finish off by discussing the the Gloucester game. But yeah, John, your voice is a bit rough today. It
2: is. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's well worth it. Don't get me wrong. It was, but the way that game went yesterday was unbelievable. I, I don't. I can't remember a game where we was actually winning at half time and at and we won at full time, which felt like we was being battered from the first. Well, not maybe from the first minute. After about five minutes in. I just felt that Gloucester that the work. They got on top and they were the better team. But somehow, Fazzy's, uh, Fazzy's magical right foot on his birthday, done, done the trick. And yeah, it's well worth feeling a bit rough today for mate.
1: Well, absolutely. Well, we'll um, discuss that further, as I say, in part four. But first up, Joe, you've been, as I say, down at StoneX to watch the women's game today. And 100 points. but um, Yeah, on the face of it, 66-33, was it? Something like that? I mean, on the face of it, that's a fun pin, but um, still some positives come out of the game, Joe, you say?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll talk about um, those players that were missing, but the the team that they put out there was, you know, they had a couple of dual red players from OA Saints, uh, some young players that were blood in, and uh, some of the new signings as well. Um, And I have to say, I was was, uh, pretty impressed with a lot of the new players that we brought in, uh, to be fair. Clearly, some work to be done. Um, in in some areas and uh, I expect Alex will will be working them hard this week um, and over the next couple of weeks to to get that squad gelled um, for the Cup whilst uh, the other players are away playing in Rugby World Cup. But yeah, definitely some positives out there and um, nice to see um, probably two, three hundred people come down to watch the game as well.
1: Well, excellent. That's great. I mean, and and friend of the um, the and Saracens um, Supports Association sponsored player May Campbell. I mean, three three tries of her. So, personally, she's back doing what she does best And the snuffling tries from the back of lineouts. I imagine.
0: Oh yeah, they were all dri- driving ones. Um, yeah, very very good. Uh, May shone out, and I have to say, uh, Grace Moore, Moore, who's uh, Irish international. Um, come over and join this season very very impressed by her played at number 8 um, along with um, Sharifa Coloso um, who played at number 7 um, and again Taryn Schultzer again another Irish international as well who, who played at, at number 6 and, and that back row, um I was really really impressed with um, but uh, yeah they had some had some, uh, some decent play really nice to see Sydney Gregson back on the pitch um, yeah. after her replay season last year uh, so really, really good to see uh, to see her playing, um, uh, and actually, yeah, uh, young Rocky Clark got a nice run out as well. So, um, yeah, there were some some well known faces in there and uh, some some good performances.
1: Well, absolutely, and I mean, obviously, Bristol brought down a strong side and proved so in in the scores they've done, but does lead us on, guys, to having a chat about the Red Roses squad that was announced this week. Um, Simon Middleton as coach with his coaching team obviously had a pretty difficult task in picking 32 players when you've got such great talent throughout the game in the country. I mean, we can think of, I mean, obviously we've got the eight, eight girls from Saracens who have gone along, so that's Hannah Bottman's going, um, Poppy um, uh, Marley Packer in the forwards, and then Holly Acheson, Jess Breach. Sorry, Harrison, Jan Infante um, and Sarah McKenna in the backs. Um, I mean, interesting because obviously Jess Breach and Jan Infante, we haven't seen in Saracen's shirts yet, uh, new signings. But, uh, you know, eight players going over there. But players, un- let's discuss, there's a couple of players who are obviously unlucky not to get get the, the call, isn't there, Joe?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, um, Vicky Fleetwood could quite easily have gone on the plane. But as you say, Simon Milton's got a, a tough job there. They probably could have fielded two England sides, and probably both of them would have been in contenders for being at least in the final four, I would think. Um, such is the breadth of talent um, that, that he's got his, at his disposal. You know, um, you, you have to uh, look. Amory played today for Bristol Bears. Again, I think she was unlucky to, to miss out on selection. Um, Mo Hunt you could argue a, again probably a little bit unlucky given that she'd been playing really well during the Six Nations last year um, but you know it, it, it's one of those and the, the squad that they've taken over there I think probably anything uh, but coming back with the trophy is going to be a bit disappointing for them because they have got such a wealth of talent there um, absolutely. But
1: it'll be... yeah I mean John I mean, from your point of view that's that, what Joe's just said there is absolutely right isn't it anything less than coming back with a trophy. And we discussed this last week with Barry and Sam. It will be seen as a failure. And I think that is clear in, in Simon Middleton's sports.
2: Absolutely. I think
1: when you consider the
2: 25-game the unbeaten streak, which is amazing as it is, and people talking up France as potentially the, the the team to watch out for. In England, they've beaten France, I think it's seven times during that 25-batch stretch. So, yeah, let's... I hope the goals go well and bring it back. It'll be, be lovely. on As as you said before, Jez, on, on the back of what the Lionesses did, it be a perfect double for England this year.
1: Absolutely, I think so, yeah. Uh, some early starts for us all, though. Coming up, 8th of October, the Fiji game is a quarter-five in the morning uh, kickoff. off um, versus France. The following Saturday is 8am and then it's quarter-six for the South Africa game. On the twenty third of October, so I mean, yeah, some early starts. Will be lucky for me. I've got a puppy downstairs that uh, wants to go out for a uh, for to walk the garden, as it were, at about that time in the morning. So uh, she'll be getting me up and then watching the game. But yeah, looking forward to it, it hugely. I think, um, and yeah, I think there's going to be a few players out there um, looking at this as being career defining moments. And you know, as you said, John, following on from what the Lionesses did this year if they don't come back with that trophy they will not be happy and uh, whatever but shall we move on let's have a word for one of our uh, um, advertisers and we'll come back and have a discussion about the wider world of rugby as we tend to do at the moment uh, in part two
0: listening to the Fezcast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association, and I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracen's Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that, every year we have a seasonal ssa badge which is exclusive to members where else can you get that much value for a tenner join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash ssa or come and see us on match day in the oasis at the stonex this is the
1: fezcast Well, welcome back to part two of this week's uh, Fezcast. And time to take a look at the wider world of rugby, in particular, premiership rugby. And we cannot not um, talk about it, although it's not our club. The situation that we find ourselves with Worcester, I mean, we're recording this Sunday night, Worcester may yet again be thrown out of competitions tomorrow, despite them getting a win in the league. Um, this this weekend against Newcastle. Wasps are looking at, you know, trying to get out of a situation with administrators or whatever, but, you know, they're in difficulty. The game of rugby really needs to sit down and work out what's going on. I, I, I mean, you've got various different ideas being bandied around. I mean, Rob Baxter thrown out there the whole idea of having a smaller um, league, seems counterproductive to me. If you, The best way of making sure that clubs can be viable is to give them more games, visibility out in the wider world and to create better positions. And that doesn't take into account, obviously, if you do suddenly restrict it down the weight clubs or something, where do all of these players suddenly go? I mean, Exeter Chiefs have got some like 70 players on their books. The biggest problem I've got, right, and we're going to go back to the whole thing about the salary cap, is that one club, came up with an idea to say to keep wages at a reasonable level but then to allow players find a way to maximize their earnings so that they were looked after and instead of looking at that at that time and saying okay fair enough it might have been against the rules uh, as it stood was it was it not doesn't matter that's been done decided they have thrown baby out with a bath water and they haven't said what did Saracens do right and i Truly believe that if they turned around three years ago when this all happened with Saracens and said, okay, look, okay, you've done something wrong, guys, but this is a good template going forward. Clubs like Wasps could have taken players on at less wages that they, you know, because they're cashing checks that, you know, they're paying checks that they can't cash at the moment and spending 400 grand a year on Vincent Cock or whatever it may be is not economically viable when they have to give away most of their tickets to get people into their grounds. Why don't they just look at it and say, "Okay, that's a good way of, of going forward." I, I'm I'm lost, John. What's your thoughts?
2: First of all, it's just a, it's just a shame, obviously, for the fans and and the players and everyone involved in in the clubs we're speaking about, because you know, to the, the thought of of all of a sudden not having your club to support is quite a terrifying prospect, to be honest. But I just I just hope that. First of all, hope these two clubs survive and they're able to carry on. It's, whether that's in the Premiership, in the in the Championship next season, or whatever it may be, <clears throat> but but this needs to be the catalyst. Like you're saying, maybe we should have been used as an example for change before. But they really have to, it just have to do something about it now. Which I don't, to be honest, I, I don't know what to say, Jess, because I really don't know. I don't have the answers myself, but if the, if nothing changes going forward past this, it'll happen again and again and we'll end up with no leagues and we'll end up... I mean, if, what what Rob Baxter says puzzles me the same way as it does you. I don't like the fellow anyway, which doesn't help, but mm. talking about then clubs have less home games to bring in less revenue, et cetera, et cetera, and it's snowballs. With, with the RFU and the way the world calendar is at the moment, all the time, that's that that's not lined up properly. It will cause problems because you're going to struggle to get fans through the gates when they know the international players ain't playing. But then at the same time, you want the international players in your squad to encourage them fans through the gates. So I really don't know. I don't know what to say, mate. It's just a very, very sad, sad time to be a rugby union fan in England. And I, I just I hope that something gets sorted out. And the future of those two great clubs can be resolved quickly and we can all move on from it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Joe. Where? what are your thoughts on this? I mean, how? how uh, what do you think? Is have you got any answers? I mean, we're we're well, no, I, I very much doubt anybody from Premier Rugby is going to listen to uh, us free. But I mean, surely there's got to be a better way of doing things.
0: Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with both you, you and John have, have said there. I mean, it's it's incredibly sad. You know, you've got um, not not just the two. Premier clubs, but you've got um, their their women's side as, as well that have been kind of inadvertently drawn into it as well. Um, Worcester Warriors women's had a great win uh, this weekend, two, two wins on the bounce. Um, they they've had in the cup. Um, they recruited some really good players over the over the summer period. Internationals, Welsh internationals, England internationals. Um, you know, Jez, you and I were, were at six ways for the for the Premier Fifteens final. Um, back in June, you know it's a lovely stadium. The people there are great. The people that work there are brilliant. And I just, you know, uh, you know, as John says, I feel for the fans. I feel the, for the people that work for, the, you know, those clubs that have just invested so much. Um, you know, we all know how how, how we felt when when Sarry's bumped back down to to the Championship. And you know, whilst it, it was a little bit of a hit for us, we knew that the club would still be there and come and bounce back, but it's just such an unknowing state for those two clubs and effectively you know it's not just the 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 first men's team it's it's the academy teams it's the women's teams you know the youth teams all their affiliate teams that that feed feed those clubs that that can be impacted especially in in some of the areas you look at Worcester as, as a as a prime example for me there's not many clubs around that area um certainly big clubs um, you know it's Worcester Leicester and that's the Midlands teams do you, do you know what I mean um, so uh, I haven't got any answers and if and if I had the answers I think I'd be earning a lot more money than I do so um, and as you say I'm not sure anyone would listen to, to, to us three but um, I'm just incredibly sad and I hope that they they can push through it and fi- find, a, find a resolution and um, somewhere it's got to be there's got to be some kind of sanction for these people that are owning these clubs and, and getting them into some of these states that they're finding themselves in, um, because th- there's got got to be some repercussions for some of those individuals that that perhaps haven't run the clubs in the way that they should do and the way that their fans expect them to.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean Worcester. Look at Worcester first off—a great proper club. Cecil Duckworth, the Duckworth family, very much in the similar veins to the Rays. And the fact of the matter was that they were fans of rugby. They were fans of their local club. They've had years and years of association with them. And then suddenly, obviously, things change. Somebody comes in, offers them the deal. And the people who've come in to do the deal are less interested in that whole, or it seems to me, less interested in that community. And, you know, the fact that winning trophies is, for them, is second to turning over a profit. Whereas if you look at Nigel Ray, and dare I say it, Tony Rowe down in Exeter, they, you know, as much as I can't stand Tony Rowe and whatever, he does, you know, he's put his own money in. It's just he perhaps hasn't got quite as deep a pockets as Nigel Ray, for argument's sake. So that he wants it done on the cheap, which is a slightly different thing. Gloucester and another club exactly the same, they've always been part of the community. But I see, you know, their owners are coming out and saying, look, we don't want an increase on in the salary cap because they can't afford it. Why can't they afford it? At the end of the day, running a, a club of any description, a sports club of any, is a rich man's game. And, you know, as much as it goes against the, the socialist in me, <laughs> inner, um, the capitalist comes out here, you know, if you want to own a rugby club, it's going to cost you money. Like a football club or a cricket club or, a, or any sort of club, a tiddlywinks club, it's going to cost you money to run it because that's just the nature of the beast. Wasps, I have slightly less sympathy for simply for the fact that their move to Coventry was, I felt, arrogant because I felt they, right at the start, and I said this right at the start, they moved to Coventry. And I've got a couple kind of very good friends of mine who are Coventry City supporters who absolutely hate Wasps with a passion. And I can completely understand it. They went up there thinking, oh, we're going to take Premiership Rugby to Coventry and everybody who watches Coventry play rugby is going to come to us immediately. And they didn't. And to do it, they've had to chuck out free tickets left, right and centre. It was never going to work. They couldn't compete where they were with Saracens, Queens, Irish, which is another argument against Eden Trailfinders coming up, you know. But why didn't they find an area? You know, they were in Wickham. Wickham wasn't big enough to grow. They could have gone to Oxford, Big City, could have gone to Southampton, somewhere like that. But they they went somewhere where they thought, you know, the East Midlands is rugby land, and it is, but they just couldn't, the they, they, they joined up thinking wasn't there and their owners really you know they're not great people but as i say i feel sorry for people who followed wasps from london to off this road to adams park to the rico wherever i really feel for those people now so you got nobody seems to really worry about that that side of the things is that fair john
2: yeah absolutely i mean i've <clears throat> i've been on the coaching field this morning, and a couple of the guys that I work with are Wasps fans. So having a chat with them about what they're going to do, and supporting their team has become such a a part time thing. Like they they go up for the weekend a couple of times a year, whereas before they would they would they were there a lot more regularly. Obviously, but uh, I think it's that I think Milton Keynes in the football sort of talk, probably should have been a bit of a warning. You're, especially if you're trying to keep hold of your. Initial fan base, like if if Saracen suddenly decided to move up up to Coventry, I mean I have to pack the season ticket in straight away. It's like upping and leaving, especially in a in a sport like rugby, which tends to be you tend to support your local team. From what I see, you don't get many. Like I grew up with a load of Man United fans, for example, in, in North Kent. That you don't, I don't see any any Leicester Tigers fans or Newcastle Falcons fans around my way they are the London clubs you support and to, to do what they've done and basically I understand that they had to do it probably to stay alive actually move away from Adams Park but like you said they didn't need to go that far and yeah it's just a it's just a, a sorry tale from you know this is a two-time European cup winning club we're talking about giant club loads and loads of legends it's just a massive shame mate it really is
1: Well, absolutely. I think this is probably a subject that's going to rumble on and on throughout the season, not just for our podcast, but for fans' podcasts in rugby and rugby fans in general. I think, yeah, you're right. It's a cry and shame. Premier Rugby are not um, covering themselves in glory. The RFU are not covering themselves in glory and some of the clubs aren't, or club owners are not covering themselves in glory. Yeah, it's going to go on and on and on. Let's have another word from one of our um, advertisers. And then we're going to come back with a fantastic interview that me and John did with the king of the remixes, the club cult hero. And absolutely top, top boy. You, you got a little bit fanboy, didn't you, John?
2: <laughs> I did. And do you know what's funny? I saw him yesterday. He was at the game. He walked through the gate with Alan Davis. Right. And, uh, Charlie spotted him and he went, Dad, can I go and say hello and get his autograph? We're going. And he went, should I tell him that my dad interviewed him the other day? I went, No, leave him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it was a lovely interview. And yeah, we, 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 well, as you'll hear coming up, we chatted about his time at Saracens and also how he's getting on in France and, uh, the uh the paucity of Guinness in Ajon where he's now living but yeah it's a fantastic interview so we'll have a word from one of our advertisers and then we'll play that interview in and then we'll be back in part four to discuss the um the great escape I think is the best way of putting it yeah so anyway over to uh John and me and Baz oh,
0: Hi guys, I'm Alex Loonton and I'm a
2: proud Loose Heads ambassador.
0: I'm Sydney Gregson and I'm a Loose Heads ambassador.
2: We're a rugby mental health charity working to tackle the stigma. You can find us at Loose Heads on all social media channels or at looseheads.co.uk.
0: The Loose Heads mission is to place a mental health lead at every rugby club. Get in touch now to find out more. Take care and enjoy the rest of the podcast.
2: Enjoy the rest of the pod.
1: The Fezcast. Well, welcome everybody to our big interview on the Fezcast. On this episode, Um, and it is our great pleasure. This is somebody that we've been trying to get on the Fezcast for three seasons. One of our original club cult heroes. My dad did the uh, did the eulogy to uh, this this player who's made over two hundred appearances for um, Saracens over nine seasons. Checking out 15 tries, I think it is. So that's more than one and two thirds a season. So uh, <laughs> prolific uh, from the front row. Um, welcome to the first cast. The king of the remixes it is, of course, Richard Buzz Barrington. Buzz, good evening. How are you doing? I'm all good. Thank you very much. Fifteen tries. I reckon the total yardage
3: would probably be about fourteen yards, but I'll take it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, t- I'm trying to think. I, I mean, honestly, you know, I should be able to recall every single one of your tries. But I mean, can, can you recall a favourite one? Um, well, I scored. Uh, I
3: scored one in uh, final Leicester versus Sarries, but they didn't count it. Because <laughs> they didn't count it but no, nah, I can remember a few from at least uh, two yards out. They're the ones. Like t- we'll tell in ten years' time is that I scored from the twenty-two, but but yeah, no, uh, I can't really remember any of them. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think around often. I tell you.
1: Well, no, Before we go into it, uh, John's uh, um, part of this um, discussion to, today as well. Um, John, you got a favourite um, Baz memory? It's not
2: necessarily one particular moment. It's just Baz as a man. It's Just <laughs> the prop, like you said, a proper cult hero for all of us. And one of them men who is just an absolute privilege for us to have you at our club. And I just want to say thanks, Baz, for giving us the best years of your, your rugby career. And we all of us, every single one of us. We appreciate you, mate. Top man. Thanks very much, man.
1: Yeah. So, so Buzz, you, you joined Saracens in 2013. You, you came from Jersey. You'd been down, started off at Hartbury college. Um, when, the call came in from Saracens. I mean, how, how how did you react to that? Because, I mean, you know, the, the Saracens were just starting on that big journey, weren't they, to become really successful. And there you are playing Championship Rugby, a young prop. Obviously, somebody's spotted you. But how did that original conversation go? Um, I can remember being at Jersey. I think we
3: played our first eight games at Jersey and we lost seven of them. So uh, they changed the team up and I was on the bench then for at least two months after that because they got a couple of victories. And then Ben Harvey at the time called me into the office actually when we had a couple of weeks off and he was like, oh mate, you're going out on loan. And I was like, oh, where could I be going? I thought he was going to push me out to somewhere else because obviously I'd been playing a lot. And they was like, no, Sar- Saracens want you to come over for a couple of LB Cup games. So I was like, "You he, he put it in my leg and he was like, no, no, uh, you're going out on loan. Um, Monday to go over there and uh, went over there and had a week. Um, I actually just caught the back end of the week for the Cardiff game, where the first game of Allianz was played, and then played the week after. Was on the bench of John Smith and Matt Stevens, so they put a pretty good team out. And <laughs> yeah, it was it was just an incredible experience, really. Just like training with two two legends of the game in front row, and uh, I loved that week. And then I came back and. Uh, Actually, the coach of Jersey at the time said, uh, "Mate, all I'm getting is positive feedback from you. Where's this been from? So he was in off. <laughs> I was getting positive feedback from Saracens, and he wasn't giving me any positive feedback. So he um, uh, said that Saracens would like to buy out your contract last year at Jersey and bring you across. And I was like, 100%. <laughs> must did. So, yeah. So then next minute, I was uh, in pre-season in 2013, it's Harrison's. Loved it. Uh, like, couldn't believe it. It just feels like six months
1: went so quickly. <laughs> so it does does sound a little bit like, you know, the the boys' own hero magazines, isn't it? Like, you know, uh, and, and proving that, you know, the, the good things happen. And I suppose you get given an opportunity like that, you make the absolute most of it. No, definitely. I um, uh, had a really
3: good get. I think uh, I remember... Go down there and Sarajs hadn't won at Worcester at the time for about three or four years. They were the, the big bogey team for Sarajs in 2012, 13, around that area. and um, I can remember them being so buzzing to get the victory down at Six Ways. Um, like everyone was like, yes, we've finally done it and stuff. So uh, that was, I played pretty well in it. I mean, it's not hard to scrum um, when you've got John Smith and uh, Matt Stevens in the front row with you, but we did a job in that, that area and it was uh, incredible. It was a, uh, had to pinch myself when I got back to Jersey
1: anyway. Oh, well, I can imagine so. But I mean, the other question is as well, I mean, it's not just the place as you, as you mentioned, I mean, Saracens back in, the, in those days getting beaten by Worcester, which, you know, with no disrespect to Worcester, but looking at the position they are in at the moment, that's not something that's happened for a long, long time. Saracens weren't the all-conquering team when you joined, although, you know, steps had been going in that right direction but what other things attracted you to the club outside of the playing was it just you know joining such a great club uh, it was uh, playing top quality rugby and uh, knowing
3: that sarries i think they here i came they got beaten in the semi finals against northampton at home but the season they had before through the season would have been a successful season because of getting a home semi final obviously came down tumbling down when they lost in the um, the semi finals against Northampton, but no, I was like, This is a top quality team, and they look like they want to go places and stuff. And it, it was top quality rugby, so I, I mean, I bit it with uh, took it not bit it, <laughs> took it with both hands and really try to rip myself into it and stuff. And um, uh, no, I was buzzing to come over to um, uh, I never lived in London, so I didn't know much about that. That wasn't much of a thing, so I'm, not, I'm a normally
1: country boy, but I was just really excited to get over and. Play some top quality rugby. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and playing top quality rugby meant um, a fair few medals being put around your neck at finals. Is it four Premiership finals and three European Cup finals? Although you missed the 2017 final through injury, wasn't it? But you played 2015, 2019 and the amazing game at St James's Park against Leinster. Uh, give us a favourite or. Or is it like asking you, you know, your favourite kid or whatever? I mean, is it that difficult, or, or, or what, what's the one that really now you're looking back at your Saracens career? What's the one that really gives you the most pride? Um, it's probably an easy answer, just because the way
3: um, that game went against Leinster in uh, 2019 Challenge Cup final, Champions Cup final. Sorry, it was how we were ten nil down. Uh, we lost Mako and uh, TT went off, and uh, felt like our backs were against the wall. Then, and then uh, for a whole 15 man effort, we just ripped into it. And then within five, ten minutes, we were ten all going in at half time, and thinking we've just thrown our first punch and we're we're um, we're, we're back in the game. So I was I can remember being in the change room there, being so excited to come out for the second half and see where we could take this. and It was just a great game, definitely my favourite game I would say.
1: What are your memories of that, uh, the, the Leinster final? Uh,
3: biggest memories of that, yeah, there was a couple. There was a uh, scrum. Bill's try was amazing. As um, uh, the Sanjay's tackle and jack, oh, uh Liam Williams, when he tackled and jackled when they had a three-man overlap and he just got the ball back. And just a few little things that went our way that day were incredible and really enjoyable. And uh, I can remember actually, because it was my first remix I had to do. I've played over uh, twenty minutes in a final. <laughs> <where we won. laughs> I remember um, being a bit out of breath after sixty odd minutes of rugby and have
1: to rally up the troops. But no, it was all good, though really enjoyable. Well, we'll have a quick chat about the remixes because they are brilliant. I mean, John, we see the uh, the videos, don't we, all the time? And um, and it's a it's a tradition that now now you're no longer at the club, but it's being continued. I saw Hugh Tizard. Um, in the changing room after the the Quinns game made a bit of a uh, (laughs) well he he gave it a good attempt is that fair to say John?
2: Yeah I think to be fair if he's struggling with the Tiki Tonga song which doesn't have many words i do fear for him if he's got to do Baz style remixes but we'll let him off as it was his first one.
1: So so where did the remix thing came from then Baz? What, What started that? What was the spark? I'm I'm, I'm 95% sure it was on one of the
3: Farage trips and uh, I remember singing a song and then I only had half the crowd going so I was like I know which one they'll enjoy so then I just threw it in out of nowhere like a a change of song I just went remix and then sung another one and I was like oh the boys like that and I was i got another one and then did another one and then on a few other trips and stuff uh, away, they were like, oh, Baz, give us one, give us one. And then I was like, oh, um, I'll make a, I'll make one if we... I'll do it again if we win a final. And then we did. And then I did it. And then uh, then I had to do some acapella. Well, I had a bit more time off when I got injured. I, that's when I had to make up my own lyrics and add my own ones, like ashes off the two lawn and stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but
1: then, and Has, has uh, Neil Diamond been in contact yet to, um, to offer you a bit of... Uh, um, royalties for sweet Caroline, or uh, or are you taking responsibility for that? Or <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, um, I'm not the best at singing, but I always think if you give it 100%, then at least they know you're trying. So it's singing and propping, it's uh, very similar, isn't it? 100% either way. And uh, well, that's certainly something that you've given the Saracens over the years, and as John said, yeah, we we. Uh, yeah really deserving of being a club hero. But you've now moved on to a new, a new pastures. Um, first things first, you're down in Agen, down in the sort of southwest of France, slightly different climate, perhaps slightly different way of life. We know you enjoy a Guinness, but have you moved on to red wine now? <laughs> Not quite. There's only one place in Agen that
3: sells Guinness. So uh, I, I've popped in there after a few games to just make sure I top up on my eye and Levels and stuff, but um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to try and move myself to the wine a bit more, just because it's uh, the locals and stuff, and I'm enjoying the cheese and ham boards as well. So no, it's it's very good down here. The the, the temperature is, um, I think they just had their hottest September and right. uh, was begun. So. We were touching on forty degrees around the first and second of December, uh, September, so
1: very new to me. Is <laughs> <laughs> it swearing off a couple of pounds on the on the training paddock?
3: That that's it, yeah, definitely. It's when you have to wake up early uh, to uh, the train at nine o'clock in the morning because it, <laughs> by 12, 1 o'clock you're looking at above thirty five degrees. So I was like, "Parent, that's probably why we have to get up and get in at five thirty, six o'clock."
1: <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. So I mean. I've had a look, you, you played, the club's played a few games, you've had um, a couple of uh, performances off the bench, a couple of very close losses, one win. Uh, how's the season going for you guys? Uh, how, how's things developing? Um, yeah, it's been
3: uh, it's been good uh, for pre-season stuff. We had a couple of wins in uh, pre-season. Uh, we were looking forward to the first game of the season. We played uh, province away, you know, in France as well. These the French teams... Um, are a lot harder away than home. Home is where the fortress is and stuff. It's probably a bit bigger than it is in the UK with uh, getting away wins. So we won our first away game uh, against uh, Province. It was uh, good stuff. And then we've uh, had a couple of uh, result- really close results. And the exciting thing is they've been close and we haven't played at our best ability. So I'm hoping uh, as uh, the whole team uh, as well, we can get back on the paddock, get some training, the right training done and we can turn these one-point deficits into positives and get some wins as well so uh, the boys are all good Um oh, my French is coming along it's not not a great at the moment but I'm <laughs> on four I'm on four hours of uh, lessons a week so we're, I'll give it till Christmas
1: <laughs> <laughs> a bit like Officer Crobtree in Hello, Hello. I'm not sure if you're old enough to remember that uh, Baz but uh, uh, yeah I mean obviously you know You've gone out there. There's quite a few English players out in France. We've um, interviewed Hayden Thompson Stringer on last year's Fez cast. He's over, obviously, in Breve and um, enjoyed it. Uh, you've got Harry Sloan with you at, um, at Ajane, haven't you?
3: Yeah, Harry's um, uh, just about 15 minutes drive away. Um, it's good to have Harry here as well. Um, there's a few other English boys, an Australian. Uh, With Zach Zach France, he was in the Academy of Saracens, I think, eight years ago. He's over here now. Um, So there's a a good few boys who speak English and stuff and could help me out with French, learning French. So no, that makes it a lot easier to come over here, you having them to tell me what to do when when we're in training and help me out with the maps and uh, the moves and stuff. So that's good having them there.
1: I, mean, I suppose that's um, a question on the training side of things. I mean, nine seasons at, um, at Saracens, you had a, a consistency of coaching with Mark McCall as director of rugby and then, you know, Joe Shaw uh, and the various people who've, who've, who've coached all that time. You've now come away. I'm not saying you're an old dog, but I mean, you, you, it's... Being taught new tricks, I suppose, or or new coaching um, ways and everything like that. I mean, um, has it been difficult uh, adjusting to a different coaching setup? Or um, it's not been uh, difficult.
3: It's uh, probably the most difficult thing is the language. But I'm learning, obviously, the language and stuff. It's uh, rugby's. Uh, when it's broken down, it's pretty a similar game. It's all about physicality and who wants it more kind of thing, and who wants to run harder, who wants to run through brick walls, and being at Saris in the last nine years is uh, showing you how to work hard, and um, I'm hoping I can bring that over to Argent, and uh, um, work really hard, and uh, get a few uh, victories, and stuff.
1: Excellent. Anything you wanted to ask about the time in France for um, Baz, John?
2: Oh, it's just hope like that you, you have a, a successful season, Baz, and you were uh, come back well nice to see you back at Stone X one day but uh, maybe with a nicer tan than you would have had if you'd have stayed behind but uh, yeah just wish you all the best mate like I said we we uh, we, we really appreciate you you've always been one of my favourite players and just wish you all the best and there uh, will be, we'll be uh, a few Argen fans in and around North London this season that's for sure uh, cheers
3: mate.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other question as well is: Have you found somewhere um, a decent barbers in, uh, in 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 the south of France there to to deal with the uh, the bleaching, or um, you having to do it yourself, or uh, are you coming back to uh, the North London, Hertfordshire to get it done every now and then? Uh, now, to be fair, I've been using the bleach
3: markets and doing it myself, so uh, it's uh it's not not as. Uh, Bleached as it used to be, but it's still quite bleached. But um, got Hugo, there's an Argent uh, supporter who down here who cuts the boys' hair, who um, pretty much cuts the same boys as everyone's hair the same. So we're all rocking around like army <laughs> men. Got a bleach on top of mine, so I look a little bit different.
1: <laughs> it's, a bit, it's, a bit like, it's a bit like me, Baz. When I was five years old, my dad took me in there with barbers and said, have his hair cut like that. And every time I went in afterwards... You know, I asked for a an hairstyle and I got what my dad told him 25, 30, <laughs> uh, 45 years ago. But there you go. That's the way it is. Uh, the other thing I want to say as well is um, we're recording this. Um, well, this is going out on, the. the, the I think it's about the 26th of uh, September. We're recording this the week before, but it's your birthday coming up soon, isn't it, as well? Yeah, it's birthday on the 24th of uh, September. So that's when you guys play Gloucester. Well, well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to ask you the last question before we go. And I mean, we recorded um, in the aftermath of the Quins game. Did you see the performance against Quinns?
3: Yeah, yeah, I watched it, definitely. I, if I can watch any Sarai's games, unfortunately for me, we play on Thursday and Friday nights. So right. if away from Friday night games, I'm definitely um, going to watch them. And i watched watch the game on the weekend. So...
1: So so, what did you think? I mean, the, 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 the big question here is now you're out of the camp. You could be a little bit more, I'll say indiscreet, but you can, you know, I mean, the first 20 minutes, we were saying, when we did the preview show, we were all a little bit, oh, well, we, you know, we're going in cold. Everybody else has had a week to play. We've only had the one friendly. And, you know, we're going to stuff up our jumper and grind it out. And probably our internationals aren't going to be playing. And then suddenly we came out with all the internationals and we were surprised and then we came out and was 17 nil down in about five minutes flat I mean the second half what a performance That
3: no, was incredible and like the individuals uh, I'm going to mention uh, I mean B- Big Billy I mean he's back to his best isn't he absolutely got, got the bit between his teeth he's, his hands his ball like his ball carrying and everything and he was he was the well-deserved man of the match in that game I thought he, he was the turning pin from that 17 nil down to really get the game going back to Harrison's way right. uh, also Feeam Fee- McFarland as well <laughs> I mean he joined last year um, fitted in with the boys and stuff and he's only I don't know how old he's 24-25 but he's going to become a great player he's, uh, the, his athleticism mm-hmm. his uh knowledge of the game and everything that comes with him is uh he's gonna be a dangerous lad and he was dangerous on the weekend as well. I thought he was incredible he was um lucky not to get man of the match but if Bill didn't play so well but Bill Bill absolutely killed it so he just well deserved it. But we we've
1: got to be we have to be very careful in the Feds cast because he is turning into a magic Theo loving uh from me in particular as as an old back row myself um and I could see Theo Developing into a pretty damn good number eight at some point with his ball handling skills and as such, like you know. But well, as you say, Billy's there as well. But yeah, and um, the last question I was going to ask you I mean, you've seen the involvement of Saracens from you joining at a period of time when they were just about going on to that successful period. You've been there when we went down to the championship and then you were there last season. Have you seen a development in Saracen's game from that stuff up the jumper, grind-out result, the boring tag that we often hear, to a more expansive, explosive game? Is it is it something that it was conscious within the club that the, the club wanted to develop in that way? I think, I think the club and the coaching
3: staff, when I first joined, were bringing these tactics to games, but... With the players, what, eight, ten years ago, or eight years ago, of the players they were, where their knowledge was probably a bit less, like, less experience, and then, then the coaches explain why they're doing it for the next game, and then, because the players are a bit more mature and a bit better players, like, they um, actually execute what the game plan is, and, uh, I think with the knowledge the the coaching staff have and stuff, and the players and how they are at the moment, you don't know where the ceiling is with this team. And uh, no, it's an exciting time to be a Saracens fan, and it's an exciting time to be in North London, really. So it's uh, it's definitely changed though, like you said. It looked like back in like it looked like back in the day though, it was more of a kicking plan. But that that's that depends on what teams and stuff we're playing in if it executes and stuff. But I think the players have just become honestly so much better than I thought everyone was going to become because you never don't know when the ceiling is. It's just it's fascinating. <laughs> I was fascinated when, I was fascinated there when I was uh, eight years ago, and I was fascinated when I left last year, knowing like, these people like Theo coming in. I'm like, look how good this guy is. <laughs> so yeah,
1: it's just it's exciting times. Absolutely. but Well, it's exciting times for Saracens, but obviously it's also exciting times for yourself. And as John has uh, said already, we on the Cast wish you the very best in your career in Agen. We definitely hope you you won't be a stranger to Stonex and that we'll see you and you're um, around with a pint of Guinness in your hand at the, at the club at, at some point. And we're, everybody there will obviously be wanting to shake your hand and say hi uh, because you are a club cult hero um, and a club legend and thank you for spending your time to chat to us for the first cast. It's been greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you for inviting me, guys. I really enjoyed it. It's uh reminiscing
3: a bit on Saracens and stuff. It's always nice to talk about them and uh, I hope them all the luck for the rest of the season and good luck for or Gloucester or actually it'll probably be Leicester, won't it, if, when this comes out. But good luck yeah. for all of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, all the best, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. And as I say, you know, we'll keep a keen eye on your career. And as John's pointed out, there's a few Asian fans now um, uh, in, in North London and the surrounding area who will be following your progress with great uh, interest over the next couple of seasons or so. Oh, thank you very
3: much, guys. Uh, looking forward to coming back and saying hello to you guys. Brilliant. Perfect. Excellent. Cheers, Baz. Cheers.
1: This is The Fezcast. Hi, this is Jess from The Fezcast to tell you about another one of my passions. I love music, and I have my own radio podcast station, Tarka Blowpick Radio. This is the home of great music presented by myself and my friends. Be it folk, rock, indie anthems, progressive music—you name it, we've got it covered. So if you want to listen to some great music, tune into us at mixcloud.com/slash tarka blowpig. You're
0: listening
1: to the FezCast. You're Welcome back to our final part of this week's first cast with me, Jez and John and Joe. Uh, the three J's there. I just realised that. Why me? Um, anyway, uh, yeah, fantastic interview there with um, with Baz, um, lovely guy. And yeah, we'll try and get him on more regularly. Uh, well, I'll have a chat with him and see if he'll become our French correspondent, as it were. And um, we'll we'll get him on um, uh, um, later on in the season to see how things are going. But yeah. Fantastic to chat to the guy. And uh, and as I say, for John to blow smoke up his backside a little bit as well, which is well deserved, isn't it, John?
2: Oh, I would say so, mate. Yeah. You don't get... When, when a cult hero comes, especially, you know, generally a cult hero, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit of a derogatory term because he, he he's a legend to me, but to most people I think he's a cult hero. And that's generally because... A cold hero is generally so because they're not actually the greatest of players, but you just love them as a, as a fan of, of the team that they play for. And I think that's probably where Baz sits, but he sits proudly right there for me.
1: Absolutely, 100%. Well, talking about um, club heroes, uh, yesterday, one of the greatest club heroes steps up. Uh, nerves of Steel and slotted a conversion to win a game in, in red time in a game that, quite frankly, we probably should have lost. Is that fair to say, Joe?
0: Well, I watched it on the telly box, and, yeah, I have to say I, I was I was a bit like, like yourself. Um, two minutes left to go, and I thought, that's probably that. Um, but good old Wolfie pulls it out of the bag
1: well absolutely he did didn't he I mean it was Wolfie comes up and then Faz obviously um, with with, on his birthday slots uh, conversions from wide out to to win the game it's an interesting one I mean the first five minutes you suddenly thought Max Malian's try you know there was Faz's slicing like a knife through butter splitting the Gloucester defence all over the place and you really did think i thought after the first 5 minutes uh here we go it's a cricket score coming um uh, and but then credit to to gloucester for actually yeah, the one thing i used to hate when i came off a of rugby field was when you'd been beaten and an opposition player would say yeah well stuck at it I just so wanted to give him a smack at that point. Now, I thought, well, that it was pointless because you would just been beaten on the pit. So, I mean, you're not going to win it if it's... You didn't, but being told that Well stuck at it because you came close. But Gloucester stuck at their task manfully and did show um, a way in which to to get at Saracens. The fact that Adam Hastings looked good for 60 minutes is, is enough of an indictment on how... Badly, we did play at at points during that game. Don't you think, John?
2: Well, Adam only played well because his old man was there to watch him. I Mm -hmm. saw him uh, just after us. But, yeah, it was was one of them games where, thankfully, they don't happen too often because I don't think my blood pressure or my heart would actually stand it if it it was like that every week. But going in at at half-time, up by three points, I was like, right... They've had their go now. We kept them at bay for large parts, although they did score a couple when you go up. We'll be all right because Mark McCall will, have, will say what he needs to say at halftime. We always dominate the first 20 minutes of the second half anyway, so I'm not worried. <laughs> and then by the 60th minute yesterday, I'm going, oh God, I wonder what time the shuttle buses start running back to Mill Hill because I think I've had enough. And yeah, absolutely superb. The, the, that, is why, that is why we love sport. Not just rugby, but that's why we love sport for moments like that, because Charlie and I will remember that for years to come, that last minute. And it was nice to, uh, you know, obviously we had it happen to us back in June at Twickenham and it was nice to feel what it feels like again to to win with the last kick of the game. So all in all, uh, a lovely afternoon. Happy happy journey home, and uh, yeah, my throat's still knackered. So yeah,
1: and <laughs> um, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I made comment uh, yesterday on um, on our WhatsApp group that I see what I feel, and again, I'm very, I am loathe as many of us are to criticise referees yesterday, but I do think we need to mention the referee, uh, and also mention the referee from the the Chiefs, um, Quinn's game today, which. I don't think the referees have covered themselves in glory this weekend. And and Craig Keys Maxwell. Uh, I don't know what you felt, Joe, but watching it on the on the telly, as it were, listening to the commentary and picking up the TMO. I felt the TMO refereed that game yesterday.
0: Yeah, it it, it seemed to be every single thing seemed to be referred to the TMO. Um and <laughs> I have a little bit of a bee in a bonnet and, and around TMOs. They have their uses, and, and I think that, that it's right and proper that they're there to be able to pick up things um, that they need to pick up. So if there is foul play off the ball, if there is you know, head injuries, all of that kind of stuff, I absolutely get that. But a referee should be able to referee the game and be confident in making their decisions. Um, and they should not be referring, in my personal opinion, to the TMO every two seconds. Um, mm-hmm. It just doesn't work.
1: No, and the other thing I felt with um, Maxwell Keys yesterday was that certainly from the start of the second half, he penalised Saracens a lot more than he penalised Chiefs, um, Gloucester, sorry. For probably 30 minutes of the second half, we were on the back end of some, I won't say questionable decisions. But decisions that the team obviously took a long time to, to work out what was going on and what they what was expected of them from the referee. And I think that can, comes down to poor communication from, from the ref, you know. But once Saracens have worked out what he wanted and played to it. He then realised that he could also penalise Gloucester because there was a lot of stuff that Gloucester were getting away with that I felt perhaps, you know, a different referee would have seen it a different way. Gloucester's problem was they didn't have half an hour to to work out what was happening because when he started penalising Gloucester, he'd forgot immediately about Saracens and there was no consistency. He wasn't, you know, there was a couple of things that Saracens did. The Theo McFarlane jumping into the tackle. I mean, I've I've had a bit of an argument with... uh, with people on um, on social medias talking about that Theo was jumping to make the pass already, and the and the player should have pulled out of the out of the tackle. The fact he didn't is, you know, that's just one of those things that um, that happens. And uh, um, you know, but yeah, if Theo had been penalised for that jumping into the tackle, then I don't think anybody would have argued about it. But if he, he did. He suddenly he switched. He switched allegiances. Almost, I felt um, did the ref and 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 Gloucester didn't have thirty minutes in which to work it out. They had five minutes, and they couldn't work out those five minutes. What they were doing for the first thirty minutes, they suddenly were not getting away with, and they didn't know how to change it. And that played straight back into our ads. And bish, bash Boss, when you got someone like Owen Farrell on the pitch, who can take the game by the scruff of the neck and control it in the way that he did. And he did so beautifully. That's where. That's what happened. You know, it was it was remarkable that change. I don't know whether you saw that from the stands, John.
2: I mean, first of all, the link radios weren't working yesterday, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, thankfully I didn't have to hear any of this. But he it, it, it seemed to be a little bit inconsistent. I agree, but I, I would also say, and I'm not defending the referee at all. There was a few things that I saw from my seat that you just go, so stupid, what are you doing that for? There was a few in at the sides and stuff, which you just go, I get his frustration. And at the, at the time in particular, there was one that Alex Ozovsky did in the second half where we were 16 points behind and I get it. But then you're giving them a penalty on halfway or whatever it was and you just go, just, just stop being rash. Stop giving the referee contentious decisions to make. And hopefully that'll be the starting block for trying to turn it around. And thankfully, I mean, I've not managed to rewatch the entire game yet. I've only seen the highlights, but thankfully the penalties that, we, that Farrell kicked to touch and we uh, we scored those two Wollstonecraft tries from went our way. And, and ultimately, we can be happy with the result. But yeah, I don't think neither side nor the referee really covered themselves in too much glory
1: yesterday. No, absolutely not, John. I, I totally agree with you there. And as I say, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, referees referee the game as I see fit, and as I said, it's up to the players to work out what he wants. You can ask for better communication, but yeah, if you do stupid things, you get you get penalised or you get pulled up for it. Next question is, though, I mean, who stood out yesterday? Uh, I want to bring one name in, in the into the frame as someone who's been getting it's it the scrum half position. OK, it's been a difficult one because we're talking about replacing some quality players at Scrum Half over the years in Neil de Kock and Richard Wigglesworth and Ben Spencer. Alan Davies last year stepped up. The year in the Championship, he stepped up, really performed. This year, he's been on performance, He's obviously now injured. I thought even Van Zyl stepped up Saturday and was a very consistent performer the whole way through. His speed... Of delivery at ruck time is phenomenal. Is that something new, CJ? Yeah,
0: I think I think the overall team performance is good. I, I I agree with you. I think there's there's some more speed and 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 that still to come. You know, we're still fairly early on in the season. Um, but yeah, I was I was impressed by by a, a few players that 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 came across. Um, Certainly through the, through the telly box. I think it's always a bit difficult to to analyse it unless you're unless you're pitch side some of the time. But um, no, I think um, I, I think overall that they played really really well. But um, I was dead pleased for Wolfie getting those two tries, and he actually almost seemed uh, surprised at the end that you've got across the try line on a couple of them. Um, but fair, fair play to him. Um, uh, and then as you say, Faz was was brilliant and, and held his nerve at the end, which you know we we we're used to him doing that now. Um, and it becomes more of a surprise when he misses rather than he gets it over. So um but yeah the nerves were still jangling a little bit right towards the end there. But no, fair play fair play to Costa. I think they, they did pretty well as well in terms of um as you say, sticking at it. I know they'll probably get they probably were disappointed on the bus at the way home because they could have easily uh, walked away with the win um against a strong Saris team.
1: Absolutely. I think, yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right there. Yeah, it is early on in the season. It is only the second big competitive game of the season. Big test coming up next game with Tigers at the Stonex. Um, I think Mark McCall in his post-match comments made it clear that we can't have too many performances like that, giving quality sides head starts like we did with Queens, like we've done not a head start with Gloucester but allowing them to get a lead you know as I say I think everybody's heart um, blood pressures will go through the roof if we have to do another comeback like that against Tigers who are the masters of closing out as we found to our own cost in the final last year so yeah, I think there's going to be an awful lot of attention to, to accuracy more than anything else. You can see that they want to play a, a style of rugby. And when it clicks, by God, it's going to be impressive. But you can't not play that style of rugby if it's not going to click. And yeah, I think they really got to um to to up that. The other person I just wanted to mention quickly as well, Jackson Ray came on and gave big energy to that back row. When he came on, I think that's probably going to be his his lot for the next season or so. Is being that impact player coming on, uh, bringing a bit of experience to the tail end of games, being like Eddie Jones says, a finisher. Tigers, we've already got up the up the um, the levels again, don't we, John?
2: We do, but it's, the, the ironic thing is we've we've taken is it four more points from the, the two games we played this season than we did the corresponding fixtures last year. I think we had a it were not a bonus point win at the Stoop last season and I, and we got um, I think it was two points we got from Gloucester at home. This time we got five and it just, it just this is the, the weird thing if you think about how many points we've I don't know if well, what have we conceded 70 odd points in two games 60 odd points it's, we, we definitely need to tighten up but still winning and it's, and don't get me wrong it's entertaining and hopefully that will <laughs> help us get rid of this tag of boring Saris even though we were the top try scorers in the league last season, but <clears throat> we yeah we need to tighten it up this this Saturday, and uh, it'd be nice to get some to, to get a win over them, and to to have these first three games of the season, which have all been really tough, to take uh, anywhere near maximum points out of them would be a great return for a team that's looked rusty from minute one in the first game due to having not enough preseason and having players coming back you know, staggered coming back. So hopefully it's be back next week. Hopefully Tompkins as well. And yeah, it's always a good game against Leicester. I'm looking forward to it. It's not a little bit nervous, but yeah, can't wait for it to come around.
1: Absolutely. Well, look, guys, thank you for your time tonight Um, uh, recording this for Wednesday morning. we see lots of points. Hopefully, we'll see lots of points next week. Certainly in the left-hand, uh, the left-hand column for Saracens as opposed to uh, Tigers. But yeah, thanks for your input. Thanks also to Baz Barrington uh, for joining us and having a chat with us and everything like that. And yeah, um, Matt will be back in the hot seat next week. I'm going to have a week off, I think. Uh, so the next show will be going out. Um, on the the fifth of October. Blimey, we're into October already. So uh, keep your eyes on the social media for any announcements on guests that we might have um, coming up. But yeah, Joe, John, thank you for your time, and uh, thank you everybody for listening in uh, to another edition of the Fezcast. Cheers, Jez. Cheers, John.
2: Lovely. Have a series. <laughs>
0: this is the Fezcast. <laughs>